KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. You are hearing a lot of talk and concern these days with regards to the economy about inflation. Now, we wanted to dig into inflation. What exactly is it? How bad is it right now? What's causing any inflation we are experiencing? Is inflation always a bad thing? How does this compare to the terrible inflation we experienced back in the 70s? Lots to talk about and learn, and we do just that with Dr. David Dorn. He is a full professor of economics and finance at Westchester University. Give a listen. So to start to just kind of set a baseline, can you define inflation for me? Okay, inflation is essentially just rapidly rising price levels. What are your concerns right now for inflation? I hear being thrown around a lot in economic circles. Uh, Do you have short-term, long-term, any concerns about inflation right now in our current economic moment? Well, short term, I expect we're already seeing some increase in inflation rates in the short run. And, you know, if you pay attention to the Federal Reserve announcements, they've said themselves that they expect some transitory inflation to take place in the short run. As things are opening up and we're seeing a a number of problems that are driving up some price levels, supply issues is one big part of that right now. And so that's what they consider to be transitory once those get ironed out. Of course, transportation is part of that as well. Once that gets ironed out, we should see some of the prices drop again. And that should be a, so that's what they mean by short run transitory inflation is expected. Now, there are some other things that will likely drive up price levels that may not be as transitory. My thinking and many economists thinking is that uh, we will likely see somewhat higher rates over an extended time period. And part of the Fed's thinking on that is, well, is higher inflation worth it to get the economy open and to full employment again? And most feel that it is. Of course, that means only like up to three or four percent, maybe a little higher transitorily. Uh, We certainly don't want even that high of inflation in the long run. And, of course, the Federal Reserve can keep that from happening in the long run by raising interest rates. The problem with that is it slows down the economy. Many goods, especially durable goods, cars, refrigerators, things like that, people borrow for to purchase. And, of course, if interest rates are higher, that's going to lower demand for those goods. Factories slow down. You know, not good for the economy. So right now they're thinking, well, we really want to get the economy booming again, you know, get full employment, get everyone that wants a job back into the labor market and getting a job. That's actually an issue right now for the short run is a lot of people are not in the labor market. So I'm giving you a very extensive answer. (laughs) and All you wanted was the definition of inflation. I'm kind of going into the whole issue right now, why it's a big concern right now among many Personally, I don't think it's a long-run concern, but I think some of it is likely to stay with us for a longer period. What would be some red flags you would be looking for that this is going to be more than just a concern in the short term here while society kind of figures itself out out of the pandemic? What would be some things that you and you know common people like me should look mm-hmm. for that would be like, all right, 
you know, that this is something we're going to have to deal with. Well, there's labor market issues. I mean, we have a the unemployment rate has been coming down nicely, but the labor force participation rate is not going up, meaning some people that left the labor market during the pandemic or, you know, lost their jobs and didn't have jobs to go to, some are not coming back. Now, some of that is, I'm sure you've heard it talked about in the news and and different places about some of that being because of all the government programs boosting unemployment checks. And that's probably part of it. But we also have... You know, why would that cause prices to go up? Well, firms need to hire workers, and if they can't get them, they will offer higher wages. And, of course, the higher wages means they're likely to raise prices, at least to some extent. A little side story on that is the the immigration situation comes into play here, too. Uh, now, a lot of it is right now because uh, I'm sure you've heard about, uh, like, the resort towns and, you know, summer play cities and things like that are having a hard time finding workers. Well, a lot of times it's immigrants that come into the country to work for it takes seasonal jobs. And right now, because of the pandemic, we don't have that international travel. I mean, obviously we have some problems at the Mexican border, but we usually get them from Eastern Europe and many other places, especially on the East coast. But just because of the pandemic, we're not letting people in from many countries. So that's making uh, for a shortage of workers in those resort towns. So the problem is if they hire, if they raise wages for their regular workers, they aren't going to decrease those later. So, no, of course, this is seasonal work for th- for these, but, you know, that's going to increase wait times and probably costs because they will have to pay seasonal workers higher. And that's going to raise prices and wait times for customers, which isn't good. You know, customers uh, going to a hotel won't be too happy if they have to wait for service and if their rooms aren't getting cleaned as nicely as they'd like. So I feel like I got off topic because I keep going on these side trips. Well, let me ask you, is, it, related, uh, but <laughs> is a certain level of inflation, even if it's a little past what economists are comfortable with, if it raises wages, you know, wages that for years, if not decades, haven't moved at the mm-hmm. level I, I think most people think they should. Is it worth it? Well, the issue there, well, you're right. I mean, there's obviously a link. We have increased wages. In fact, just this morning, I heard a, a story on CNBC. They were talking about Chipotle raising all their workers' wages by, or all their prices by 4%. And that's due to they want to cover the increase in wages for their workers up to an average of $15 an hour. So that's a permanent change in prices. And that's likely to happen in a lot of places, uh, especially with the push for the $15 minimum wage. And now, personally, yes, I agree. We need to increase real wages, the after-inflation wages, so people can actually you know live off their hourly wage 40 hours a week. Um, which is not possible when you're making $7.35 an hour working 40 hours. But you're right, there's an inflation trade-off then because, you know, the companies aren't going to go for decreased profits. They're going to pass the costs on to consumers. So that, you know, 4% increase in prices at Chipotle, if lots of other places do 3 to 4%, that's going to raise our 
general inflation rate across the board. And that's going to be permanent because, like I said before, they, it's not like they're going to go back and decrease wages after, well, especially with the push for higher wages. So that is one part of the inflation story that is not going to be transitory. But that was kind of in the works even before the COVID crisis. So that was somewhat expected. The The immigration problem means to for the resort towns and other seasonal work, that's going to be transitory, though. To some extent, uh, there's other labor market problems. Not only those places are having a hard time finding workers. Uh, that is the biggest, biggest component, I think, right now. Yeah, accommodations and food services. They actually have 569,000 job openings right now in those areas. Manufacturing, they have 442,000 job openings. So these are jobs that are, they're not able to fill. And that's where the labor force participation comes in. Uh, a lot of people are not coming back to the labor force uh, after being laid off or w- some retirees, which is potentially another issue. You know, maybe they won't stay retired, but, you know, with the boom in the stock market, because of the easy money from the Fed and other reasons, makes it easier to retire right now. But if all of a sudden interest rates go up and stock market crashes or whatever, you know, some people might come back out of retirement, but many won't. And and with our demographic situation, population growth is very minimal and has been for 30 years or longer, <laughs> under 1% for at least the last 20 years per year. And in fact, I believe, I don't have the exact numbers on that, more people are dying than are being born over the last year, I think. So that means, you know, and we know we have an aging population. So a lot of people will be retiring without replacements, especially with immigration so low. That goes beyond just the pandemic. That's why we kind of need some new immigration policy to deal with that kind of thing. All of this comes into play. It's all connected. It's all, all connected. And I guess we, you can throw in what we, the supply chain issues that we have experienced over the last year, that are kind of all, if not directly related, I guess, kind of offshoots or ripple effects of the pandemic in most cases in one way or another. Is that another reason that kind of the assumption that we will hit a point where we'll get relatively close to back on track there or we've adjusted ways and streamlined ways that uh, that won't be leading to shortages and such? I believe that that situation is transitory. I kind of hinted at that earlier. I didn't really get into it, but you're exactly right. There are supply chain issues right now, especially with the semiconductors, but with many things, many supplies. Uh, Shipping has been having issues. Uh, They don't have the ships out there to to carry the materials. And that's just, you know, across the board, not only industrial supplies, but also consumer goods. You've probably heard this, uh, you know, with the just-in-time supply chain that corporations have been focused on for at least 20 years. I don't remember when that became a big thing. And it was a cost-saving measure, and certainly they don't want tons of inventory of supplies. They aren't selling stuff. But that's part of what's going on right now and why there's shortages is because those just-in-time, you know, lots of factories making those supplies closed or reduce their production. And they're still at a reduced level because, you know, the U.S. is doing okay reopening right now, but many other countries are not. So things haven't ramped up yet. 
So, but but as you suggested, that's likely to be transitory. I think that will come back at some point. I mean, it could be a year or more. And and also the people not coming into the labor force, coming back into the labor force. You've probably heard about a lot of working parents don't have daycare still, uh, so they're staying out of the labor force, especially with government benefits coming in. For most states, those benefits, the the extra 350 or whatever it was, $600 in unemployment checks is likely to end soon in the next month or so. So we would expect a lot of workers to come back into the labor force then. Uh, Once kids go back to school, we should get a lot of people back into the labor force that perhaps are staying out right now because they don't have the child care and they can't afford it even with the extended unemployment benefits. I'm curious because I feel like inflation is something you always have kind of heard talked about, but I feel like the last time it was a really significant weight on the economy is mid to late seventies. You know, I mean, I don't remember because I was a child, but I've read about like President Ford's whip inflation now, and you can still find those buttons on eBay if you look hard enough and stuff like that. What led to inflation in that moment? that it really kind of overtook the economy for uh, quite a while? Well, several things happened in the 70s, not the least of which was the oil supply situation with the embargoes. Uh, And I think that were were two separate instances of that. Uh, I can't remember the exact years, but that definitely fed into it. I was a kid in the 70s, but I remember the gas lines uh, and things like that. And inflation got up in do- double digits by the end of the 70s. You know, 15%, I think, was the highest rate. That might have been 1980, which means like a, a 30-year mortgage rate would be like 20, 22%. I can't imagine borrowing even $100,000 for a mortgage at 20%. I mean, most I ever paid for a mortgage was like, I think, 6.5%. <laughs> Right. And right now, I got three and a half percent. But that's the way it was in the 70s. And part of that was the Federal Reserve was not, they, they were going more for the full employment, like they talk about now, rather than keeping inflation at bay. Because uh, we had some issues in the early 70s. Uh, there was a lot of pressure by the Nixon administration on the Fed chair, Arthur Burns, was it, to keep the easy money flowing. And it was, it did. Uh, In fact, the Fed at that time was targeting the money supply rather than interest rates like they do now. And they just kept the money expanding to get to full employment. But in the face of supply shocks like the oil situation, uh, well, actually in combination with that, the easy money increased demand, uh, high demand with less supply is going to increase prices, right? Firms can't keep up. If we're at full employment, for instance, meaning everyone, not just workers, but all resources in the economy are being used as efficiently as they can be. So if we're at that stage and then people want to buy even more stuff because incomes are high, uh, we get what we call an overheating economy, which means not only are labor markets tight like they are now uh, driving up wages, but we also have other resource markets tight. Right, steel, iron, whatever it might be, fuel, <laughs> oil, meaning high demand for those things. So we get this wage price, other supply prices spiral. It's called a wage price spiral. 
Uh, so that leads to high inflation because demand is too high. And, and typically the Fed, well, since the early 80s, will keep that from happening by raising interest rates, slowing demand down. But in the 70s, we had that supply shock at the same time. So we had something we call stagflation. We were actually in a recession while well, slowed, slowed down production. That's why we were trying to boost employment, get to full employment. But then we had the oil price shocks, which means we can't produce as much with no oil. Not just gas lines, but also, you know, we need it for lubricants and many other things in industry. So that's what, the, so it was a combination of a number of things, including wages, because I don't, I don't know if you know, the GM, um, no, UAW had a big auto worker strike at GM in the early 70s, and they got big boosts in pay to match, to, to increase above inflation rates at that time. So there we got that wage price spiral from that too. And then the supply shock. So economy slows down, wages and prices are going up. was not a good situation. So that, that's what was so bad about the 70s. But we don't have that now. We don't, well, I guess we do transitorily with the supply shock because of the shipping issues and the getting, uh, you know, the just-in-time supply chain back up and running right. But it's transitory right now. You know, in the 1980s, Paul Volcker took over as Fed chair, Federal Reserve chairman, and pushed to start targeting interest rates. It was already being done to some extent for a couple of years before that, but making it more explicit, targeting interest rates rather than the money supply, raising interest rates, uh, actually deepened the recession. We had actually a double dip recession in the early 80s, but it was deepened by the Fed targeting interest rates, raising them dramatically to combat inflation. And they were very successful because we've had quite low relative inflation since the mid-80s. And it has been low and stable ever since. I mean, we had some with oil prices and, and things, you know, up to like 4 or 4.5%, I think, was the worst point right before the Great Recession, the financial crisis. But even after that, we've had, you know, sub-2% inflation for most of the period since which has a lot to do with the Fed. Well, I mean, they want to keep inflation low, but we also have very low increases in the money supply, right? Open market operations, their target rate has been, had been low even before the pandemic. I can't think of what it got up to before the pandemic, but I think it was only two and a half to 3%. I don't think, I don't know if it was even that high. And of course, now we're back down to the financial crisis level between zero and a quarter percent for the federal funds rate, which all other interest rates tend to follow. So right now we have the same kind of situation, wage prices, wages and prices likely to be rising. Some of that is transitory, some of it not. The supply chain issues is going to be most likely transitory. So the Fed is likely not to react to that. So they don't want to raise interest rates right now because we're just reopening. And hopefully we will continue to reopen even when flu season comes up in the fall uh, and winter. You know, they've been talking about they're going to keep interest rates low for an extended period like they did after the financial crisis. There has been some talk about talking about, <laughs> that's how it came out, uh, the, the Federal Reserve, the governors, Board of Governors has been talking about maybe decreasing asset or, or decreasing their balance sheet. Because they own so many bonds and uh, agency 
paper and things like that because, you know, they're increasing the money supply to keep interest rates in their target range, zero to a quarter percent. So they're, you know, they've been buying all sorts of agency bonds, uh, even some high investment level corporate bonds to boost the money supply, keep interest rates low and, you know, try to keep the economy operating through the pandemic. So they are still saying they're not going to raise interest rates, but they're talking about selling off some of those bond holdings. Actually, they're only talking about talking about it, is how they put it. I would expect that to maybe happen, uh, maybe by the end of this year. I think you referenced, when you mentioned transitory, how long are we talking? Like, <laughs> what uh, is what time frame do you start to be concerned that some of these things that right now there's relatively general consensus that it's transitory? When does right. the... Is there a point where all of a sudden that needle starts to shift and you really start to get along? Is it six months, end of the calendar year? You know, what for you, what would that time period be? Uh, for me, I would say over the next year. But it depends on the particular the labor market stuff. Maybe that will start to, well, depends on how you look at that, too. <laughs> uh, the, the wage increases due to wanting to boost workers' wages, that's not going to be transitory. But it's likely to be coming along more slowly than perhaps it would have been without the pandemic. You know, it's hard to get companies to boost wages when they're just coming back from not even being close to full capacity yet. <laughs> that will probably take a while for that to be a permanent increase. Hopefully, the economy will be doing well enough that the Fed can offset that with higher interest rates. But likely to be a couple years down the road, I think. The immigration situation... You know, as far as seasonal workers, well, once we get the pandemic under control, not just in this country, but we open our borders to other countries to at least get seasonal workers in, lessen some of that pressure. Parts of the labor market, those that are still not in the labor market because of the benefits they're getting, extra unemployment benefits, uh, well, those are likely to, I, I think most of them will expire by the end of summer. So we should see a, a uptick in labor force participation rate, and we should see, uh, the, and also with schools opening, those worried about childcare, at least some of them will likely be able to get back into the labor market. Uh, so that should decrease the pressure on wages due to that situation. The the labor shortage is there. Uh, I mentioned before that you know if the stock market ever uh, comes down again <laughs> for an extended period, some retirees might come back into the labor market. So that should help with that as well. But who knows? I mean, well, part of the reason the stock market's been doing so well is because the Fed is targeting such low interest rates. Nowhere else to make a return other than what do you get on a savings account? 0.1% or even less in some cases. <laughs> uh, annual percentage rate. So pr pretty paltry. So um, my... My final question to you, overall, given kind of this weird moment we've been in for a year, given these inflation concerns, given these kind of once-in-a-lifetime situations we're dealing with, what's your level of optimism for the overall economy going forward? you think we're in a pretty good place that we could uh, be in a spot of, of true kind of top-to-bottom growth? Are you uh, worried? Where are you? Well, I think we're in a pretty good place. The The main worry right now is if we don't get to the 70% of adults vaccinated or higher, or I mean, 
70% of Americans or higher vaccinated. It's good possibility we have uh, issues with the pandemic again come flu season and the winter time. So hopefully more people will get vaccinated and keep that from happening because we'd hate to have to slow things down or shut things down again. I don't really think I mean, we're, we're doing pretty well on that. And uh, I think we're in a good place. Some of these transitory issues, I think, will solve themselves over the next six months to, to a year. I mean, the shipping situation should come back. You know, supply chains should come back. Hopefully the semiconductors <laughs> sooner rather than later. But like I said, we do have some other issues that are not likely to be transitory. But hopefully if the economy comes along well enough, maybe we'll have 4% inflation for a while. If the economy is doing well again, the Fed will certainly increase interest rates to get the inflation rate back down. Of course, that may be down to like 3% rather than the 2% they had been targeting. You know, 3% is not a bad inflation rate historically or relative to many other countries, many, many other countries. So I think we're in a good place and it should continue despite some transitory inflation pressures. And if, like you said before, if it's trade-off with higher wages, maybe it's worthwhile. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.